Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to study your Word together. And as we do, we invite your Spirit to teach us, to lead us, and to guide us into all that is true. Father, we thank you for changing us according unto your word, by your spirit, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We yield ourselves to the Spirit's ministry. We give ourselves over to you. And Father, we know changes will take place in our lives for the good, so that we, dear Father God, can be a greater blessing to humanity. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to be open. Make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer that I may with accuracy and boldness proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever you study a subject or whenever you teach on a subject, you promote faith in that particular subject. Whenever you study it or whenever you teach it, you promote faith in that subject. And the more you do it, the more you promote faith in it. But if you ignore a particular subject, what happens is faith diminishes, listen carefully, even though knowledge is retained. Faith diminishes even though knowledge is retained. Do you know what I mean by that? So you can know that Jesus did something for you But to have an active faith in what He did for you, we have to constantly fuel our faith by studying or being taught the Word of God on that subject. If we ignore that subject, even though we have the knowledge of it, there's still not faith. Faith can diminish. See, in order to maintain spiritual energy, spiritual food must be supplied. There must be that which fuels faith. So you can know what the Word of God says on a subject, but not really have an active faith in it. I remember telling that to someone once, and they were insulted. They needed help in a particular area of their lives. And I said, well, this is what the Word of God says. And they said, well, I know that. I said, well, I know you know that, but you're not walking in the light of it. Uh Uh-oh. See, in other words, they had knowledge, but no faith. You've got to feed on it constantly. That's why we have to continue to eat every day. If you want energy, you've got to eat daily. Isn't that true? Because you use that energy and you burn that energy up. Well, if you want to have an active, robust faith, you've got to continually feed on the Word of God. And that's why there are certain subjects of the Bible that I'm going to commit to teaching every year. Certain truths that I'm just going to commit to teaching every year over and over again why it fuels faith. You may know the subject, but that doesn't mean you have an act of faith in it. Hallelujah. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Every human being faces problems in life. It doesn't matter who we are. We're going to find ourselves in difficult situations. Our situation may not be leprosy, but it can be financial problems. It can be Maybe the loss of a job or marital problems or infidelity. Suffering heartache because your mate was unfaithful to you. It could be children that are rebellious. And as a result of that rebellion, your heart is just torn. And you just don't know what to do in your situation. It could be the fact that you suffered from abuse. You were abused when you were a young person. By someone, by a parent or a family member or even a friend. And as a result, your life is scarred. Your emotions are hurting. 
It could be some personal tragedy that took place. Maybe someone was killed in an accident or something like that who was very dear to you. Could be that you were engaged and about to get married and your fiancé was killed in an automobile accident. And we hear that happening all the time. And how devastating it is. Some people don't know what to do when that occurs in their lives. It could be the fact that there's a lack of maybe direction in your life. And some people get extremely frustrated when they don't know what road to take or what path to take or how to get their problems solved or their questions answered. And so they find themselves in a situation where they're facing difficult problems that are painful to them and they can't handle them constructively. What takes place or happens in a person's makeup, emotional makeup, that is, when they can't constructively handle these problems, is a myriad of emotional problems can occur. They can be given over to anger. And they're so angry. And for the most part, many are angry at God. Upset with God. Why? Because He has the power to help, but He's not seemingly doing anything. And as a result of that anger, they can't even begin to understand the full picture or see that it's not the God who is their problem, that it's Satan or an enemy or the fact of the fall because of what man did, Adam did, giving place to these personal tragedies and things that happen in life. They can't see that because anger has gripped them and they're bound by it. In some cases, it's anxiety. In other cases, it's just absolute worry and frustration. Tension builds up. There's bitterness in some cases. Maybe someone that you love dearly hurt you. Whether it was intended or not, I don't know. But the fact is you were deeply hurt. As a result of that hurt, there's bitterness on the inside of you and maybe even unforgiveness. And some people are like that. You say, oh, but we're all Christians. Beloved, I have talked with people that have held bitterness for years in their lives who are Christians, not knowing what to do with it. Everyone is tempted to be bitter. Everyone is tempted to be unforgiving. Everyone is tempted to act out of emotional hurt. You know that as well as I do. You can be full of uh, depression or oppression or guilt as a result of not knowing how to constructively deal with these particular personal problems that we all are going to encounter in life. Jesus himself said it's impossible, but that offensive should come. We're all at one time or point or another are going to be offended in life. I don't think anybody here tonight thinks that they were going to go through life without being offended by someone. And listen, beloved, it may not even be intentional. And probably for the most part, many offenses are not intentional. The person didn't mean it from the heart, but the way it was carried out in the natural or in the flesh hurt someone else. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do everything that pleased everyone? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be marvelous? If you can bottle that and sell it, you'd be a millionaire. Take this and you'll never offend anybody in your life ever again. Or take this and if somebody offends you, you won't even be upset. Wouldn't that be nice? The cure. Well, we've got to take a dose of Jesus if we want that cure. Amen. Now, what happens is when people are incapable of handling their problems constructively and they find themselves maybe deep-seated in bitterness or anxiety or worry or anger or whatever, they give place to some other conditions. They actually open the door to all kinds of suggestive thoughts that come from Satan if their condition is untreated or unresolved. For example, some people are so hurt inside that they feel the only way they can escape their hurt is by turning to alcohol or drugs. Some people maybe growing up were abused or even molested. And as a result of not knowing how to handle the pain, they turn to alcohol to escape reality. Or they turn to drugs so that they don't have to face the hurt to a degree. And let's be realistic. It happens every single day. 
They need help. They need solutions. They cannot handle what they're facing emotionally. And you've heard me say this time and time again. We cannot handle spiritual problems with emotional powers. And so they turn to something that they can at least get some sort of relief from so they think. But little do they know they're opening up the door to further problems and troubles in their lives. Others deal with this conflict within by withdrawing from social contacts. They become a recluse. Just withdrawing from people. You know, sometimes I hear people say, I don't want to go to church because there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites there. People don't love me like they're supposed to love me and all that. And they totally withdraw from people. And they're unrealistic in their expectations of people. How many of you know that Christians miss the mark? And people go to church not because they're perfect, but because they want to learn how to grow in God. And no matter how hard you try not to hurt somebody, no matter how good your intentions are, you can finally hurt somebody along the way. I had someone say to me one time that if you didn't walk over and shake my hand when you did, I was leaving the church. And I thought, my goodness, that was right before a church service. And that would be impossible for me to just greet everybody personally in church right before a church service. And it's not that I don't want to be uh, courteous and that sort of thing. But, you know, when you're having, going into a church service, there's a lot of things on your mind. And you're wanting to really hear from God and stay in tune with the Spirit of God. And sometimes I have all this rehearsing on the inside of me. And I may greet somebody, but really, I'm really not there. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm really not there. And so no matter who you are, no matter how good your intentions are, you can still hurt somebody. That's just the way it is. You may not have meant to do it, but you do it. So some people withdraw from people. They withdraw from social contact. And they become taken captive by self-pity. Feeling sorry for themselves. You ever been there? Anyone ever here ever tonight been tempted to feel sorry for yourself? More than once. <laughs> Did you invite people over and have a pity party? <laughs> well, no, you wouldn't do that because you have withdrawn from social activity and social contact, right? So you had your own. Amen. Well, others go in another direction and they find themselves incapable of dealing with life and so they have a mental breakdown a complete emotional and mental breakdown and find themselves institutionalized in some cases for the rest of their lives. And they never escape it. Why? Because they didn't learn how to constructively deal with what? Life's problems. Beloved, if we would just realize that we're not going to go through this life on, a, on flowery beds of ease, then we'd have it half licked already. We are going to face problems, circumstances, troubles, predicaments, frustrations, anxieties, and worries, and we're all going to be tempted to be overcome. But we've got to decide that we are not going to be overcome and learn how to find the way of escape that God has already found or provided for us in the Word. And then, of course, some people, they get to a place where they feel the only thing they can possibly do to get any kind of relief is to commit suicide, to take their own lives. It happens. It happens. But that's not a solution. We all know that's not a solution. Now, the devil may have brainwashed that person into thinking or deceived that person into thinking that was a solution, but that's not a solution. Beloved, this fellow right over here had a lot of problems. This leper had many, many problems. I want to give to you a verse from the Living Bible in Psalm 119, actually two verses, verses 18 and 19, and you can look it up if you have one. Because, beloved, this should be the cry of every person's heart who is encountering problems that are too big for them to handle. Situations that are beyond their control. Do you know the devil specializes in introducing situations that are beyond our control into our lives? Did you know that? And that's why we need God. Amen. That's why we need God. 
if we admit we can't handle it, if we admit there's nothing we can do, we do all that we can do in the natural, and that's all there is to it. There comes a time that when one has got to say, Father God, only you know the way out. Only you have the solution to the problem. And no matter how meaningful a person is, a friend is, even a counselor or whoever, they may not have the solution. Or they may want to get it to you as, as badly as you want to receive it, but you just may have to go to God. Here's a beautiful verse for you to look at and let it be a part of your life. It says, Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. This is the Living Bible. I am but a pilgrim here on earth. How I need a map. And your commandments are my chart and guide. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? I'll read it again. Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Oh, what a prayer. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things, wonderful truths, wonderful revelations, ways of escape, whatever it is in your word. I am but a pilgrim here on earth. How I need a map. And your commandments are my chart and guide. I need a map, Lord. Show me the way out. Show me what course to take. Show me what direction I should go in. Lead me, guide me, direct me. You see, beloved, when problems arise like this man had, we need a problem solver. When one is so hurt that he is vulnerable to all the things we just talked about, that person needs to be told, you need the problem solver. And thank God that God our Father provided His original problem solver whose name is Jesus. Everybody say that name with me. Jesus. Just listen to that marvelous name, Jesus. There is salvation in that name. There is healing in that name. There's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire in that name. There are solutions. There are answers there's everything you need, remedies in the name of Jesus. There is power. There is authority. There is all that is needed wrapped up in that wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to school ourselves and understand that. Jesus is God's problem solver. He wants to help us remove the mountains that stand before us in life. He wants to equip us to get over life's problems. He wants to assist us. Listen to what He says. Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. Did you hear that? Hook up with Me and let Me teach you. Let me show you the way out. Let me provide that road map that you're looking for. Let me make the way plain before you. Let me show you what step to take. Let's commune together. Let's fellowship together. And you will find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hook up with Jesus. He is God's problem solver. You see, beloved, if you're like this fellow, incapable of dealing with the problems that he was encountering in life, there is someone that you can go to, and this fellow found him. Let's read it again. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. This leper came to Jesus. And he came saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Listen to what he said. Lord, I know you can help me. I know you can. I know you can. I know you have the ability. I know you have the power. I know you have the resources. I know you have the strength. I know you have the wisdom. I know you have the solution. I know you have the answer. Lord, I know you have it. I know you can, if you will. If you will is what I don't know. 
And the man was crying out from the depth of his soul. I want you to turn with me for a moment back to the book of Leviticus in chapter 13. Because I want to share with you just a little bit more about this fellow's situation. See, we, we're not familiar with leprosy. Therefore, we're not much affected by the emotional pain connected with it. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, we'll discover that not only was this man sick physically, but he was also deeply wounded emotionally because of his condition. So when Jesus delivered this man... He did more than just heal him physically. And I want to show you that. In verse 45, Leviticus 13. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare. He shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean, he shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. The scenario is this. He started with some marks on his body. So he figured he should go get him checked. He goes to see the priest. He told his wife and kids, I'll be back. But he doesn't come back. He's found to be a leper. So he's marked for life, not able to go back to his family. This is fulfilled in him. He must now live alone. He is considered by them to be rejected by God and now rejected by man. He must live outside the camp. Anyone that talks to him, anyone that approaches him can be found to be unclean. So you stay away and you don't go near him. He stays away and goes near no one. People would run from him just at the sight of him. That's why he is identified. So it's crystal clear who he is and his condition. Now, can you imagine? Physically, there are different types of leprosy. Some types, your flesh begins to be eaten away. The nose, the fingertips, eaten away. You can imagine even the stench that he had to live with. But on top of that, ulcers would form. There'd be pain and suffering. And then when he's finally in a weakened condition, rats would come and eat parts of his body. He can't defend himself. There's no hope. But that's physical. Then there's the emotional. He can't see his wife. He can't get a hug from his kids. He has no ability to socialize. He can't be in the synagogue. He cannot get before the altar of God. He cannot worship with others. This man has no hope. He loses his self-worth. He feels totally rejected, an outcast. And in his thinking, in his mind, he's been told by his rulers that this man is even rejected of God. That God has caused this. It's because of his sin. And there's no help for him. Even in God. Now, can you imagine living with that? We get upset if just some, someone down the street doesn't like us. But this man has been told, and it's crystal clear to him, that God has totally rejected him. 
and that he is a sinner and there's no hope, there's no help. He's an outcast. He's unclean. He cannot have any more human contact. Ouch! Doesn't that hurt? Think about all the people you come into contact with every single day of your life. Think about that. No contact. This man is going to have emotional problems, isn't he? He's hurting. There's pain. There's heartache. What about the fact that you brought a child into the world and now you cannot even give that child a hug or a kiss? You can't watch him grow up, play ball, be a part of his social life. You can't get near him. And of course, under the circumstances, you don't really want to. You don't want the child to get what you have. Beloved, this man had many problems. And you know what? If he went by what he was taught, he should have not even approached Jesus for help. Let's go on back to Matthew chapter 8. He should not have approached Jesus. There's no help for him in God anyway, but I'm sure he figured, what do I have to lose? I mean... There's nothing that I have to lose. If they kill me, they kill me. If I die, I die. I'm dying anyway. Now, I want you to see the scenario once again with that understanding. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Jesus was not alone. This man knew that. This man was taking a chance. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. You can only imagine the gasps and the sighs that took place among the multitudes of people. Jesus was the center of attention. But all of a sudden, when this leper, who they now see as a leper worships the Lord Jesus, He becomes the center of attention. And I guarantee you, everybody took a step back. I know it doesn't say that here, but you can understand how easily it would be to think that. They wanted nothing to do with this man. There was no way they were going to contact him or be near him. This man is crying out. This man is leaving all else behind, throwing caution to the wind and just saying, I'm going for it. There's nobody that can help me. I've been even told that God can't help me. But I'm wondering, I know He can, but will He, will he help a leper? The man had a big question in his mind, didn't he? Will He help a leper? An unclean, unworthy being, an outcast. Will he help a leper? Will he help you? Will he help me? If he'll help this leper, he'll help anybody. See, the Bible says he bowed down. You know, sometimes I think in our emotional upheaval, we forget about bowing down to worship Him in our approach. Sometimes people come to God or go to Jesus with a wrong attitude. This man was just going for help. He wasn't holding anything against God. He wasn't holding anything against Jesus. He just bowed down before the Lord. And he worshipped Him. And he said, Lord, if you will, if you will, why was this man there? Can you answer that question? What brought him on his knees before Jesus? What did he hear? He must have heard at least something somewhere. Maybe his wife was at a distance with the wind blowing in the other direction. Crying out with a loud voice. 
from a way far away. There's a healer. I don't know. But this man got wind somehow, some way, that there's someone helping people like you. Beloved, I don't want to neglect to present to humanity this kind of Jesus. There are churches throughout the United States of America and around the world that do not present Jesus as a healer and a deliverer. There are many that even imply that God is behind their problem. God wasn't this man's problem. Jesus was not this man's problem. He was there because He had to hear somewhere, some way that there's help for you. I know you can. And I bow before you and I'm asking if you will. Beloved, nothing was stopping him from getting to Jesus. And you know, whatever you're facing in life, admit the fact that you cannot handle it emotionally. That you're not equipped in your own emotional makeup to handle many of life's big problems. And say, Jesus, I'm yoking up together with you. I'm bowing down to worship you like this leper did. And I'm totally giving myself over to you. And the problem is yours. I'm casting the care of this situation on you once and for all. And I'm leaving it in your hands. Because I know you care for me. Look at what Jesus did. In verse 3, And Jesus put forth His disciples' hands. He got a big, long stick, about 20 feet long, and reached out. No, he broke the Jewish law. He did. And he stretched forth his hand. See, there was a distance law and there was a touch law. You don't touch a leper and you keep your distance. He broke both laws. And he touched. He stretched forth his hand and touched him. Just stop there just for a moment. What mercy, what compassion... Look how selfless. He wasn't concerned about himself. He wasn't even concerned about breaking the law. He was concerned about this individual who suffered such horrible, painful things in his life, who was separated from deliverance by one question being answered. Will you? I know you can, but will you? He put forth his hand. He didn't just say, I will. He touched the leper. Oh, beloved, I can't even imagine what it must have felt like. People hadn't touched him in how long? I don't know. It could have been anywhere, maybe 20 years. I don't know how long he was in this condition. But, beloved... No one had touched him. Even if it was only for five years, no one touched him. Not one other person ever comforted him with a touch. He was alone. This man was lonely. He was hurting. He was desperate. All Jesus had to do was speak the Word. But I'm telling you, Jesus demonstrated more than that than just the authority of His Word. He touched Him physically with His hand, stating, I'm not afraid of your condition. I want to penetrate through it all and let you know how much I really care about you. Can you imagine the power of God's love that flowed through His hand? The Bible said He had compassion on Him. Can you imagine the effect 
of the compassion of our Lord that began to flow into this man's body and life as a result of that physical touch that came to him by the way of Jesus? Think about that for a while. And there he knelt, the hand of the Lord upon him. I will, Jesus said, I will, Jesus said, I will. Those words had to ring in his ears. That is what he needed answered. You can, but will you? I will. And everything within him that is within Jesus, his compassion, his love, his mercy, his care, his concern, his comfort began to be transmitted into this man's life. Would to God that we could touch humanity with the same quality of touch. Come on. Isn't that true? This is the true meaning and definition of laying on of hands. They weren't empty hands. They were full of compassion, full of mercy, full of comfort. Oh, hallelujah. And I'll tell you, when this man was touched by Jesus, he knew something happened. And immediately, everybody say immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Look at that word cleansed. Beloved, there is a difference between healing and cleansing. A big difference. This man wasn't just healed. See, to heal means to cancel a sickness. But to cleanse, it means to make whole. And oh, can you imagine the miracle those multitudes witnessed as I'm sure they stood their distance behind Jesus. And Jesus touched him, but they saw his nose grow back out. See, cleansed means not just cancel the disease, it means to make whole. He was cleansed. His nose grew back out. His fingertips grew back. Maybe his earlobe grew back out. Whatever it was that was missing from his body, it grew back. It came back. He was made whole. Beloved, can you begin to see how that worked on his emotions? Can you imagine as he looked at himself and saw his toes grow back out and his fingertips and felt his nose and said, I can smell again and, and his ears... And who, who else, you know, where else, we don't know, but wherever his body was being destroyed by the leprosy, can you imagine? And all of a sudden, all these thousands of thoughts go through his mind. He doesn't know whether he should shout because he's thinking about my wife, my kids. I can tell the priest, I, I, I'm cleansed. I, I'm made whole again. I mean, th this man, self-worth, self-esteem, all of a sudden things began to come into place and things began to click once again as the result of a direct touch from the Master. This man was cleansed. And Jesus tells him, look at the next verse, verse 4. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show yourself to the priest. You see, this is why we know this man was made whole. If his body parts were still removed, do you think he's going to get a clean bill of health from the priest? Absolutely not. Without a doubt. But this man gets a clean bill of health. Offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. In other words, go there and show him that you have been made whole. Beloved, listen. Being made whole in body also enabled him to be made whole emotionally. There is a touch from the master's hand 
that can flow through the body and still affect the mind of the person or the emotional condition of the person and bring emotional stability or wholeness to that person's life. I'll tell you what, we need to investigate that more. It's better than a drug. I'm saying it's better than a drug. See, Jesus was perfected in this kind of transmission of power to meet human need. And oh, have we even scratched the surface? See, beloved, we have too much of self, I believe. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we can't help somebody by laying hands on them. But I'm telling you right now, to have more of the life of God to flow out of us, to have more of the compassion of our Lord to flow out from us, we've got to let go of a lot of self. You know, sometimes people want to lay hands on just because they can say, I laid hands on somebody and got them whole or, or healed or whatever. And that's a wrong reason. It should be because we want to cancel out the emotional hurt or the physical pain. And the closer we walk to the Lord and the more yielded we are to His compassion, the more in tune we'll be with Him so that when we lay hands on somebody, there is an outflow of His life and not ours, his life. And so this man was made whole. Oh, I can just see it. I can see the eyes of the people looking as they witnessed the miracle of restoration in body. I mean, it doesn't go on to say, it doesn't elaborate as to what he did, but I can just see tears streaming down the man's eyes. I could see him high-telling it to the priest with a spring in his step, with joy in his heart as he's crying along the way. I've been so bound. I, I, my body's been destroyed, but look, I've been made whole. God does love me. I'm not cursed any longer. I'm not an outcast anymore. I can go to the family. I can go to the picnics and the celebrations. I can worship in the temple. I can have a good time. I can watch my kids play ball if it's not too late for that. I can watch my grandkids play ball. Or whatever they did back then. I can attend their bar mitzvah. <laughs> Beloved, this man was completely delivered by the hand of God. Completely. And I believe there is complete wholeness for everyone who touches the master in like manner or who the master touches in like manner. Too often, we fail to emphasize the need of the individual to follow in the footsteps of this particular person when it comes to touching Jesus. And I thank God for ministries, but you know what? I mean, ministers and ministries but there comes a time in people's lives when they've got to be told, you need to follow this man's example. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Go to Him. He loves you. You're not an outcast. He cares about you. Go right to Him. Humble yourself like this man did. Bow before His presence. And say, Jesus, I know You can. And I know You will. I know You're willing. Hallelujah. Beloved, I believe He's the same yesterday, today, forever, and always. And I know that He never changes. Never changes. The same reading is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And verse 12, it says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. And beloved, right there, we know this man didn't have the kind of leprosy that didn't do much damage. This man was full of leprosy. His condition was hopeless. Full of leprosy. Who seeing Jesus fell on his face 
fell on his face, fell on his face, and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his le the leprosy departed from him. It's almost as if they, the leprosy packed its bags and walked off because it met up with Jesus. You see, I want you to see he was full of leprosy. Some people think that because there is so much to their problem, because there's so many aspects to their problem that there's just no possible way of escape. Beloved, it doesn't matter how full your problem is. It doesn't matter how complicated the situation appears to be. I want you to know that there awaits you the same touch from the Master's hand. He is no respecter of persons. He is not withholding anything from any one of us. He can solve the problem. He can work out the details but he needs to have free reign to do so. It's time to go directly to the Master and be in a state of humility. To admit that the problem's too big for me and that I give it over to you and I expect a touch from your hand. Beloved, what is the secret to this? Jesus made it so simple, didn't he? Can you see the need for us to really study, to discover and investigate what it was that flowed out from Jesus into this man? Because, beloved, he said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. So we can't do the same works without the same equipping. Beloved, the enemy has planned his strategy. He tries to keep us out of love and compassion. He tries to harden the heart. He tries to make it bitter. He tries to make it critical. Why? To stop the outflowing of rivers of compassion that God has for humanity from us. But if we'll put a stop to that and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to live to be critical. I'm not going to live my life to be unforgiving. I'm going to live my life to walk with Jesus, to be full of love and compassion and to show mercy, to be concerned, to really care. That way, when I lay hands on somebody, there will be an impartation of the life of God, the ability of God, the, the power of God that makes one whole again. That is the secret to effective ministry. And as I said, it's better than any drug. Do you believe that? Amen. This man went back to the priest. He was pronounced totally cleansed. This man got his life back together. He got his emotions back together. Would you not have loved to have been there to watch this man when he knocked on his door and saw his wife and his children? Boy, why couldn't they make camcorders in those days? I can see Jesus saying, Peter, I want you to follow that guy when he goes back home and I want you to get it on tape so that we can show other generations just what took place in this man's house when he went back home. And how his wife greeted him. Almost beyond words, not knowing what to say or do or think as she saw her husband. Can you imagine filming their lives together as they go to the synagogue on a Sunday or Saturday, whenever their, you know, their, their Sabbath was, and, and worshiping together as a family after all those years of separation? Can you see that? I love talking about Jesus like this. He puts lives back together. He makes people whole. No matter how difficult the problem may be, what we need is more people 
to be like Jesus, to minister the very life of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. And remember, to get that way means less of self. Less of self. I thank God that Jesus has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, forever, and always. And beloved, He's here in this place right now. And I know you can sense His presence. I know you can sense His Spirit scratching at your spirit saying, you can be more like me. You can have more of my compassion if you so desire. If you'll allow me to take over, if you'll allow me, I will flow through you. There are others that he's speaking to right now and he's saying to your hearts, you don't have to be bound by this any longer. Trust me. I'm your present help in time of trouble. I'm not your problem. I'm the problem solver. And I realize you're trying to figure out what you should do or what you can do. But the thing is, he is saying, trust me. Hook up with me. Yoke together with me. And I'll give you rest unto your souls. Oh, can you imagine an unrested soul? Oh. You talk about being battered in your brain. Problems are like that. I mean that. People face real life problems like this man faced and they don't know what to do. And their mind is overtaken by so much demonic activity and all kinds of confusion that they don't know what to do. And he is saying, be still and know that I am God. Amen? And he'll make you whole. Turn it over to him. Receive your touch from the Master's hand. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.